Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ladies and gentlemen, happy Grammys night. Unfortunately, we're not watching the Grammys. We're out here because we're talking Knicks, baby. The New York Knicks select Kristaps Porzingis. Post and toes, puffing and stuffing. Again, igniting and exciting the garden crowd. Y'all ready for this? Okay, maybe we'll delete that. But it is January 28th, 2018. Is that good luck? No. I am here with two of my trusted colleagues, Jake Storielli, back on the pod. I missed a couple weeks due to mountain life and just being a bad person in general. But some of our stalwarts are here. MVP, normally MVP of the show, Greg Poon. Greg, how you doing? Doing well. Thanks for thanks for calling me MVP. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, it was mostly a lie, but we're also joined by Tom Piccolo, our our three point only takes layups or three point specialist. Tom Piccolo, what do you have? I'm hoping for most improved player here. Well, yeah, it's not going to be me or Greg. You can't once you're at the top. But uh, glad to have you, boys. Greg, Greg, how was your week week weekend? I had a nice little weekend. I didn't do much. I uh, I don't know. I sat around and watched the television. But I got a funny story about last week's pod. Okay. So Here last we week, I forgot to convert from a YouTube to MP3 so we can upload the pod. Sure. And then the next day, I, I went to work. I was like, I should. I still have to do this. So I was doing it on my work computer. I'm on a random website. I do it. Click convert. Start downloading it pop-up on my work computer starts going you have a pornographic virus yes and i was like what no what kind of virus because like you get those fake viruses but they never say they're pornographic yeah was that a a tough look was that a good story i don't know kind of yeah it seemed it seemed like the virus protector took an obnoxious step that it didn't need to i don't know the pop-up they don't need to specify. They don't need to specify what kind of virus it is. Like a virus yeah. is a virus. We don't exactly. need to. Exactly. I don't know. So how are you, Jake? I'm. I'm good. I. I. I had a relaxing weekend. I'm. I've got a busy week next week. Heading to the mountains a little bit. Super Bowl weekend. Some friends from out of town. Excited for that. Uh, this weekend was pretty low key. Spent some time with the, the lady and the dog. Watched some basketball. Just watch the Sixers kind of fall apart against Oklahoma City, but we don't talk that here. We talk Knicks, baby. And Tom, Tom, any pornographic viruses? What do you have this week? I don't have as many of those. Um, you know, I've been kind of telling my saga of my my house hunting, my condo hunting sure. every week, updating the people, and I've been getting Twitter DMs every day from our listeners, being like, "Tom, what's the deal? Do you have a place? Do you not?" Right. And uh, you know. I think I, I told the story on the pod last week. We made an offer. The woman who was selling decided to move back in. So that is off the table. We're back to square one here. So I'm going to probably not have any updates on that for a while. But uh, in other updates, I'm growing a beard. Yeah. 
so big stuff is still happening. It's just I don't have a house yet. Me and Greg have the anti your facial hair going right now. Yeah, you, you guys look more professional than I. So. I look fourteen. I haven't I haven't shaved in I don't know a week. I just don't grow facial hair. The Irish curse. No, that's something else. But let's let's dive in. We're going to do a little bit of a different format this week. We're going to mix things up a little bit now that we got the dream team together. Uh, let's we we're still going to start. Off, we got we got to talk the games from this week. A little Knicks tape rewind. Three games this week. We lose at Golden State. I mean, that's every team expects that, especially when you don't have your best player playing. Chris Stapp sat out. We then went on to the Denver Nuggets, a game I was at live, which I have to tell you was a real treat, uh, especially watching the Nuggets put go for 130. Uh, 60% from the, uh, from the field, uh, only 50% from three on 28 shots. Um, it just it, 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 it looked like great basketball from the Nuggets, even the Knicks at period of time. But I, stops were not in demand. And then the Knicks went on to beat up on the Phoenix Suns, and Enos Kanter let the world know about it. Thank the Lord. But we had a, another kind of tough one and two week. What what in these games jumped out to you? What any stat lines that jumped out to you? What what do you think, Greggy? I mean, what do we start with the Warriors or just in general? Because go go through the week. What in general moments that stick out? What do you have? I mean, Warriors game, nothing special. I mean, they we went with uh, the just pray defense for the first half. Didn't guard anybody. They just missed a ton of open shots. We were up at the half by two, which was nice. You know, what I mean, you know, you knew it wasn't gonna last, but that was fun while it lasted. Nuggets game. Um, I don't know. Not not much good was happening there. They just lit us up from beginning to end. We we made it kind of close every time the Knicks kind of made a run. The refs kind of made like like an iffy call. I mean, I don't want to. I wouldn't blame the refs at all for the loss. I would say that they didn't help, but the Knicks just gave up one million points and let the other team shoot sixty percent, which which you're not going to win in a huge momentum sport. And again, I'm just going to keep pounding this into the floor until you guys realize that I was there. Uh, it, it's a huge momentum game, and you are absolutely right. Every time the Knicks were starting to get momentum, there was, like, just a cheap and one. I mean, there's a jump shot. They called a foul on Ron Baker that there was no contact, but that's on the Knicks for having Ron Baker. And so, Greg, continue. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, they called back-to-back moving screens on the Knicks twice. Tough. Once in the first half and in the second half, which was just like, I mean, I guess those are moving screens, but people set a moving screen every single play. So whatever. Last game of the week, the Suns game. I mean, we'll get to it, but Trey Burke scored 14 in a row at one point. I mean, that was good. We might we might have, maybe not a superstar, but we might have something. We'll get to that, I'm sure. The the neighbors know my name, Trey Burke. Uh, Tombo, what what do you think on the week as a whole? Who who jumped out? What do you think? Well, the first thing I want to point out is the uh, we make our predictions every week on the pod, and we say you know we're going to go two and one, one and two. This is the swing game. Uh, I will say you know on the last pod I called myself out for getting everything exactly wrong, but sure. on this one, on this one, I got everything right. I called the two losses against the Warriors and Nuggets. The win against the Suns, that doesn't sound that impressive uh, yeah. when you line it all up like that. But I did, so I'll pat myself on the back there. 
Um, okay. A couple of things. We don't need to talk too much about the Warriors game just because it didn't seem like Golden State was taking it too seriously to start. But I will say the, the Knicks played really hard, which is what you want to see, even without their star. They were actually – Knicks were up 10 with 90 seconds left in the first half, and the Warriors closed out on an 8-0 run to get to that two-point margin Greg talked about. And that kind of seems like something that's been a little bit of a pattern. Uh, I know Greg's mentioned it before that just before quarters end, just before halves end, it seems like the Knicks just kind of stopped playing. Have you guys noticed that? Yes. Yes, yes. Sometimes literally – like nobody moving. <laughs> yes. And other times just lack of effort. Yeah. And and one and one thing that kind of shows that lack of effort is the Warriors uh outscored the Knicks twenty five to twelve in fast break points. Put up twenty five fast break points is, is I mean, usually the Knicks only give up eleven per game. So yeah, that's not great. It's more um, than double. That is more than double. So yeah, don't need to dwell too much on the Warriors there. But in Denver the the Knicks' lack of defense was really the story. They just couldn't get stops. You talked about it. Shot 60% from the field. Denver shot 20 of 26 at the rim, which is 77%, which would be by far the worst in the league. Um, they also shot 50% from three. So, yep, couldn't play any D. And then just going on to the Suns game, um, we were only up four at halftime, which was kind of surprising because it never really felt like this one was close. It always just seemed like the Knicks had a handle on it. But um, the, the game was really won in the third quarter when the, the Knicks outscored uh, uh, Phoenix by 10 there, and, and Porzingis went for 13 in that quarter. So I thought uh, that was kind of the game-deciding factor there was Porzingis going off, going five for six from the field, two or two from three. Um, and in the fourth quarter was more garbage time, but we'll get to that later on. Yeah, and I think we'd be remiss to also mention in the Nuggets game that Kylo Quinn and Tim Hardaway Jr. sat out uh, which a factor, not a 130-point factor, but a factor. Greg, a big <laughs> – I don't want to say elephant in the room. Ron Baker started in Denver, and I I, I have to give the floor to you on this topic because I know it's something you're passionate about. Yeah, so Kenny made a joke on Twitter. So, I mean, reports started coming out that Ron Baker was going to start, and it was like, uh, is, this, is this real? Because – Tim Hardaway Jr. has missed over 20 games this year, and Ron Baker has never started. We started with Dotson for a couple games. That didn't work. And then Lance Thomas has been the starter for, for like, a very long time now, for, like, over a month. We, we just got used to Lance Thomas starting. And then all of a sudden, THJ's out again. I mean, obvious move is to start Lance Thomas, since that's what we've been doing. Well, Ron Baker starts instead. Kenny said the only thing that makes sense is that Hornacek made a joke that Ron Baker was starting. Then Ron Baker told his family, so Hornacek couldn't go back on it. So then he just decided to have Ron Baker start. And then the funny thing is, the game starts, Ron Baker's playing, and the the announcers say, Ron Baker has 30 friends and family members in the, the crowd, and they show people wearing Ron Baker jerseys. So I think that his, the fact that his family was there may have played a factor into him starting this basketball game, which is – horrifying um one thing with the game before against the warriors he entered for the first time down 18 with a little over two minutes left next game was the game he started son's game first time he enters is with about four something left with the knicks up 25 so him starting the game in between those is very questionable 
I don't know. I don't know what you're doing, Jeff. We all know that Ron does some suspect stuff, Does has flashes of good defense, but bad offense all the time and mediocre defense all the some other times. Yeah, Greg, starting a player because his family is there is something that sounds like it would happen in high school, maybe D3 college, but it, not not even Tom. Let me cut you off. As a prominent JV athlete, I remember games where parents would travel over an hour to get to the game, and that didn't change the lineup. That the coach would literally sit sit you down and be like, "Just because your folks are here doesn't mean you play." So, if this is has anything to do with reality, talk to me, Tom. I I just I can't imagine that it does. Right, there has to be something more to this. Um, yeah, if Ron Baker started because his parents were there, we've got bigger problems, guys. I don't I don't want to say it's entirely because, but I I don't see how it's not a factor the way this looks. Because Tim Hardaway Jr. has missed a lot of game, and Lance Thomas has always started, other than the Dotson games. And now this one game that he's, his family's there and Tim Hardaway's out, he starts it. So that's that's a crazy coincidence. Well, it's also funny that he's starting for you know being a better defensive player, and it's the game that the opponents hang 130 on him. So it, even what he's supposed to be there for didn't work. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, I don't want to start it as a Twitter rallying cry. I, I mentioned it a month, month and a half or so ago, and <laughs> I wasn't saying fire Hornacek, but I was thinking because of the Knicks' hot start, that it kind of left him in a tough spot. Knicks Nation starts wants to win again, even though we're rebuilding and we talked about consistency. But <laughs> I don't know. If we end up at, at the end of the year and Ron Baker has one start and it was in Denver with his family visiting, I fire him for that. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Yeah. Like It's a bit of sarcasm, but not really. This is the NBA. Yeah, that makes sense. It's It, it doesn't look good. Uh, I don't know. But Ron Baker did start 13 games last year. I looked into that. So there's some precedent, which is good in a way, which is also bad in the fact that Ron Baker started 13 games last year. So there's that. I let's, uh, let's try to put a positive spin on it. So over the three games, you know, just cruising through box scores, I'm, I'm trying to look through kind of who had a good week. I'd say one thing, the biggest thing that jumps out in all three box scores for me is that against the Suns, our starters dominated, which we haven't seen too, too much. We usually see the bench come in with a pretty good split on on the games we win. Uh, the the starters really took it to the Suns, which, hey, if, if there's a team that you kind of have to, Phoenix is one out of about five of them. But um, I, I don't know. No one really had a, a special week. Nobody jumps off the page stat-wise. Tom, do you have... Uh, a person who you think jumps out I, ideally in a good way. If not, let's hammer Ron Baker and Hornacek some more. <laughs> you know, I actually was really impressed watching Beasley against the Warriors. I mean, those are some of the best wing defenders in the league. And he put up an efficient 21, eight of 15 shooting five of five from the free throw line. And they really, he just has no fear at all. Like no, regardless of who's guarding him, and, uh, you know, I know I, I can be critical of Beasley sometimes in his defense, but I mean, the dude just, he has no conscience when it comes to this stuff and he, he'll get buckets on literally anyone. And so that was, that was pretty cool to see that the Knicks have a guy who he, you can bring him off the bench and just know he's going to think he's the best player on the floor. And sometimes it's to his detriment, 
But recently, it, it hasn't been. He's been just an efficient scorer, and that's something the Knicks need, especially off the bench. And it's crazy how easy he makes it look. Some of those those finishes at the rim, it just it looks like he's going in slow motion. And just he knows exactly what he's doing. He's never impressed with himself either. Like he just always, every time he does like something spectacular, he just looks like, yeah, I, that's something I do. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. And I, I don't know if I told you guys this. I actually saw him live at the Denver game. I was there. You were there. Huh? It is a weird mix of just being so calculated. So, no, let, let me start over. So there's no plan. He, gets, he catches the ball usually about 18 feet, and he's going to jab step. And he sees you make one move, and he has already envisioned the whole play in his head. It's it's freaky. He knows he knows where he's going to end up. He knows where you're going to end up and he's either going to get the bucket or get fouled. It's it was honestly I I've been googly-eyed about him all year screaming get him in the starting lineup even though I know that's not the most efficient answer, but he's <laughs> like when he's going on offense, he looks like a top player in the league. If you showed someone uh games from all around the league, someone that never watched basketball, they would point at Michael Beasley and say, he's really good. So that's that's my test. Someone who doesn't know basketball saying Michael Beasley is any good. Well, Jake, the, I mean, I, I brought up the game before, but it's total. I mean, he also put up 21 points on like eight field goal attempts against yes. the Nuggets. I, I mean, he, he really was. He put on a show, like you said. He, he was one for one from three. And that's another impressive thing about him is he does this without much of a threat of a three-point shot. Like, he'll take it if he has to, but and he's actually shot fairly well on him, but he's not a volume three-point shooter. He just gets to the rim, and he's one of the few guys on the Knicks who does create, who draws contact and gets to the line and gets easy points that way. Not a lot of guys do that. Like, Porzingis will try to get to the line with little sorts of tricks and, like, getting hit on the elbow, but it's... Like, if you want to make sure the ref calls a foul, you do it the way Beasley does it, by being aggressive and taking it to the hoop. The the only person in the Nuggets game on the Knicks with a positive plus-minus that played over one minute was Michael Beasley. In a game they got outscored, well, it ended up at 12 points, but it was more ugly than that for most of the game. 29 minutes, 6 for 8, 1 for 1 from 3, 8 for 10 from the free throw line, 4 rebounds, 2 steals, 21 points, only 1 turnover. I mean, it's when it's right, it's right. I get that it goes wrong, but I'm not talking about that right now because we need a little positive light. Greggy, you want to pump Beasley up some more? You got someone else on the Knicks you want to talk about from this week? I think we got to talk about Trey Burke. I mean... Do let's you, you, let's just let's just let's, do it. Yeah, let's dive into it. I I I had some a couple topics laid up, and I I listed one as the Trey Burke show, because how how could you not talk about it, and especially with all the trade talk spoiler, which we have some more coming later in the show. But after Trey Burke, he's he's got Knicks Nation talking, and I I feel like this is going to be one of those sandwich compliments where you you got to bring down the fan base a little bit, Greggy, because they came in a little too hot. But tell them what's good. Yeah. Um, so even after like it's yeah, he, he played a couple games. Like one, he looked fine. Then like didn't even play in the next one. Then he played again. He looked pretty good. Like, um, 
people were yelling for him to start already. And it, that, I thought that was crazy. It was this guy was just in the D League. It's not like the Knicks were the only team allowed to sign him for the entire season up to this point. Nobody in the NBA signed this guy until like a couple weeks ago. So I don't think that he's an NBA starter yet. But then this, this, uh, this, he went on a 14 point run. He, he scored 14 in a row by himself. It wasn't 14 0, but he scored 14 in a row by himself. And the way Jared Jack has been playing, this guy looks like he might be a better option to be the starter. Uh, I don't know. That's just a thought. Uh, Jared Jack has not looked very good. I mean, you could put Frank into start, but I don't, I don't know if he's ready for that. Maybe that might be better for Frank since he's not ready for a superstar role and Trey Burke kind of gets buckets, which might make him better to be the backup point guard. I don't know, but I think this guy is going to be in the Knicks rotation very soon. And we'll see what happens with Jared Jack. So, And, Tom, I, I love something you said this week. And I think it's funny because with advanced stats and this, that, and the other, you can look at basketball in so many ways now. And there's positionless basketball. There's on-ball defense, help defense, all of it, on the court, off the court. <laughs> you said it best when I, I – I like break, making things simple. I'm, I'm a pretty simple dude. And you said with Jared Jack as your point guard, who – you know, start of the day, end of the day, he's your front line of the defense. And with Enos Cantor as your back line of the defense, you're just asking for NB- – you're asking for college teams to abuse you with that as your point guard in your center. So where – where I don't know if you want to start there or if you want to dive into Trey a little more, but what do you think, Hambone? Yeah, so, I mean, Burke's defense actually was very impressive. It, it's just – it's – nice to have a guy who just tries like i mean I and mean, frank tries very hard um but but burke is a guy who he can be more of a two-way player at this point in his career i i do want to pump the brakes a little bit on, on all the love and i only say this because i'm i was watching the phoenix game and i saw burke his first points he scored 16 i believe in the fourth quarter um but his first points came when the Knicks were already up 15 and it was, they were predominantly against the Suns bench unit. The Suns are already the 28th ranked defense in the league. So I just, I love Trey Burke. I, I like what he brings off the bench. I would love to supplant uh, Jared Jack's spot with, with Burke, but the 16 points in the fourth, they're predominantly in garbage time. That's a, uh, I don't want to get too excited about it. You know what I mean? Like this is one of the worst defenses in the league. Um, but I'll, I'll say like what, what Burke brings to the table is someone who can get into the teeth of the defense. He can shoot a little bit. He's a threat in a pick and roll. And then on defense, he'll, he'll, he, he won't die on a screen like Jared Jack will. He's going to fight over the top of it. He's going to contest shots. Um, he, he's a great, he's a very good backup point guard. And I was thinking earlier today, like who are the best backup point guards in the league? And, uh, you know, there aren't a ton of guys who are real game changers at that position. So having, having Burke there is, it's a huge plus. And so it's a great get for the, um, like the talent evaluation team for the Knicks. Yeah, I got, I got something. I think one thing also to note is Trey Burke's a little guy. He's, he's not very big. He's maybe six feet tall and he was going against Isaiah Cannon. So that that may have been a factor who was 
probably one of the only people in the league shorter than Trey Burke. So I'll help you pump the brakes, Tom. You're right. Well, while you guys hit the brakes, let me hit the gas pedal. Because so I, a couple things, right? When it when it's a player like this, and I, I always said it with Beasley, like take the name off the back of the jersey and think about what you're seeing, seeing and don't think about the past. And you'd think about Michael Beasley different. I understand you can't do that. Trey Burke's 25 years old. He came into the league pretty highly touted. This dude was a stud in college, and he was the number nine pick overall. He comes to Utah. They basically give him the keys to the kingdom. Guy starts 68 games. Um, you know, not great percentages. He he still ended up averaging 13, 13 and six. Think about how long the Knicks have been waiting for a point guard to go 13 and six. But so he comes in and his biggest problem is he doesn't really improve. The next year, his stats are almost identical, weirdly close. And by that time, you know, you start to fall out of favor. The Jazz bring in, I, I don't know if that was the year they brought in Exum or when he came to town. So he goes to the – he ends up getting a shot of life. They trade him to the Wizards. He he doesn't fit in. I mean, he, he's behind John Wall at the end of the day. But he's also an undersized, undersized guard, so he's going to have his struggles on defense. Um, so now you, you put this into the whole picture, something that we give too much love for, but I totally think is a thing, Trey Burke and Tim Hardaway Jr. Teammates at Michigan, there's a sense of comfort there. It is what it is. It's not a huge thing, but it's something. We 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 hype up Hernan Gomez all the time for being KP's boy, and that's there's something there. I'm not saying it makes Trey Burke a starting NBA point guard, but Trey Burke also has some pretty good shooting percentages. He shot again in limited action, and well, 57 games last year, he shot 44% from three. Again, only 1.2 per game, but that's something. And his 1.2 he's taken for the Knicks, he's shooting 43% so far. So I think it's an evolution of a few things, right? Undersized guards are showing more value. You can hide them on defense a little bit. And if if they're more of a problem on offense than they are on defense, then they're still a net plus where a lot of teams haven't looked at the smaller point guards that way in the past. And I, I think, you know, this guy went to the D League. This guy was ninth pick overall. This guy was a stud in college. And I think, like, you talked about his tenacity on defense a little bit and how how it's nice to see that, which is hilarious. You've, you shouldn't be hoping for that as an NBA team. But, you know, maybe Trey Burke went to the D-League. He got a little bit more of that dog in him. And he's still 25 years old. As young point guards in this league, you get abused. I don't care if you're 19 years old or if you're a senior coming out of college. You're still going to take your lumps because it's the biggest position you have to adjust to. So, boom, there's a little bit of a jakey rant. Greg, hey, you look ready to hop on. Yeah, I know. I'll hop on with that. Uh, yeah, Tom was wrong about pumping the brakes. I'm back with you. <laughs> so the, the one one thing I noticed when Trey Burke is, uh, is playing is he's just knocking down shots. You, you don't expect this guy to come in out of the D League and be knocking down jumpers. You think there's a reason why he was, was out of the league. But I think he, he gained a lot of confidence and became a bucket getter in the D League. So now – or the G League, sorry. Now he's he's ready to to come back into the NBA and do that. I got his D I got his G League stats up. Twenty six point six points per game, five point three assists, shooting forty eight point nine percent from the field and forty one point eight percent from three. Those are pretty good numbers. I mean, given I mean talent, clearly not the same level, but the three point line is the same distance. Forty one point eight percent. That's probably going to translate. Hopefully, so. 
think about that. I mean, I think he, he has the confidence. I think that's a big factor. Tombo, you want to bring us back down to earth or you want to pick pick yourself up a little bit now that me and Greg turned on you? What what else? No, I mean, I'm I'm with you guys. I like Trey Burke as a player. I don't think oh, I'm I'm curious. Do you guys think he should be the starting point guard with Frank coming off the bench or I mean, what does all this mean, you know? I personally I'll I'll go first. I think at where the Knicks are at point guard starter is an overrated statement. <laughs> I, I think Frank Frank has to get minutes either way, right? Whether it's 20 to 30 minutes, he's a young guy. You drafted him high. He has to get his minutes. Outside of that, I mean, if I don't know if we're looking in a vacuum or the rest of this season, but if if it's right now, if it's Jared Jack or Trey Burke, give me Trey Burke. I'd, I'd rather see someone with a little pep in his step than, you know, I for someone that I was given golf claps for keeping the offense moving in Jared Jack. Greggy? Yeah, and uh, I mean, one thing that factors into it for me is Trey Burke seems a little bit of a bucket getter, so he might be better suited to be coming off the bench with uh, with Bees, like since you already got uh, Porzingis and Tim Hardaway and Courtney Lee's been hooping as of late, so he's been getting to the rim and scoring. So maybe we don't need to add a score. Maybe that'd be the per- perfect place to insert Frank and let him develop, give him less of a responsibility make it easier on him having those vets be able to take care of him but also that's pretty risky given how how careless frank plays at times you don't want to start the game with that so i don't know i i guess if you if you have if i had to pick i would say start frank for the first couple games see what happens with burke coming off the bench tom your thoughts on your own question I think, I mean, I've been a fan of starting Frank ever since things started to kind of go sideways um, back in December. So I like Burke as a piece coming off the bench for sure. I don't know that Frank's really ready to start um, and going against opposing starting caliber point guards, if that could potentially hurt his confidence. Um, if he doesn't do well, it, it, you know, it's tough not being there day in and day out, uh, knowing these guys' personalities. But one thing I want to say about Trey Burke, just to look out for, is he is shooting most of his shots from the mid-range. He's averaging three field goal attempts from the mid-range. He's shooting 63% on those shots, which is by far the best in the league from the mid-range. Granted, yeah, smaller sample size and all that. But, I mean, you can, that's just not a sustainable number. Um, you'll have to expect those to come down, even like the best mid-range jumper uh jump shot shooters in the league are, are at around 50 percent from the field so um we, we can expect that to come down a little bit but you know i love the way he plays right he he people have compared his looks to Allen iverson and i'm not gonna sit here and compare his game to a former mvp but just in terms of that tenacity and just that swagger that he has you could see little shades of it there he's like Allen iverson with a better mid-range i would say he's wow. a better shooting Allen iverson yeah, wow. one thing I know I said he was a bucket getter, but Jake, you were at the game in Denver. He went for 18 and 11 assists, so he could dish it. Yeah, he's he's someone like everything I said before, like it, it, it all kind of adds up. He looks like someone who's fighting for his NBA life, and he looks like someone that has the talent that he shouldn't be at this point of his career fighting for his NBA life. And two things I wanted to bring up was one you mentioned that he was in the G League and every team had a chance to get him, which doesn't mean 
he's not a top, you know, 60 point guard. It just means there's teams with like Frank and any prospect who they want to develop. So it, it doesn't mean this guy wasn't an NBA player per se. And the other perk of Frank, which I, I think is huge because I mentioned his defensive liabilities, is, hey, if there's one thing Frank can do, it's play defense right now. So if you want to do some lineups with the both of them, put Frank on the better defensive guy, let Trey kind of ease in. I think you can have some fun with that too. And I, it's funny, <laughs> my, my final note on Trey Burke, which – was going to be a lot more dramatic until you guys started bringing up Allen Iverson was if there's someone's stats, I want you to look at, and I'm, I'm not directly comparing them, but an undersized guard who's a dog who fully didn't figure it out until his about age 25, age 26 season is Kyle Lowry. It's I, I, I found myself on the stat page today. Again, Kyle Lowry's obviously worked on his game a ton developed and has gotten to where he is today and such a tenacious defensive player but man look at some of Lowry's stats Kyle Lowry the the all-star he is today as a 23 year old averaged nine and four um as a 25 year old as a, as a 26 year old in Toronto he averaged 11 11 and six playing 30 minutes a night so I I just think the point guard position is People give up on it too early. You're, and maybe I hold on too long as a side effect of that. But guys like Manny Moutier, um, other guys that come into league at 19, I'm not saying they're going to be great, but we set these lofty goals. They don't hit them in their first three years. They're not a LeBron type, and we start giving up on them. So I, I guess I'm gung ho on Trey Burke. I'm not saying he's saving the franchise, but I mean, if if you had gun to my head, Trey Burke or Jared Jack right now. Give me, give me Trey all day. And Allen Iverson averaged 31 in his age 25 <laughs> season for comparison. So, better mid-range. Any See, final, Jake, final thought thoughts on go, Trey? What do you got, Tom? I thought you were going to go Patty Mills with the comparison. Uh, oh, no. I am, I am larger than that, baby. You did. You went big. And I know I respect it. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm also interested in Frank playing a little more off-ball in the shooting guard position. It's just kind of tough when you've got Courtney Lee and Tim Hardaway Jr. there, and I guess Ron Baker, apparently. No, 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 no. That's I, I, I hate to stop people on the podcast. I'm stopping you, Tom. That's that's the Trey Burke show. I was I was gonna ease us in with just you know layup lines back in the day we used to call them. Do we want to talk about Cantor on Twitter? Is that even a thing anymore? Do we really care? I'm. You could tell from by my voice. I'm like half over it. Sure, it's fun, but at the same time, talking trash on a twenty-one and twenty-eight team like that. There's there's part of that that's driving driving it into my chest. Greg, well, Jay, you're Jake. Can oh, you tell the people? Can you tell the people what happened? Well, I mean, it. There's been the LeBron stuff all year, which we've covered a little bit. And he, he's a social media guy. I got to chuckle out of Greg the fact that he posts a picture with a teammate every day. Is that cool or weird? I don't know. But they they played the Suns coming off their two losses this week, playing the Weasley Phoenix Suns. Booker gets ejected from the game. And then after the game, the Knicks win. Cantor posts a picture of Devin Booker holding an L, saying, you know, don't talk that trash, catch your L, young fella. Which, 
again, lighthearted and fun. And then it turned into him talking trash with Jared Dudley, which, okay, so I actually did like him saying that Jared Dudley already had a retirement body. That was pretty good. But Dudley <laughs> Dudley hit him with the facts. Dudley was like, dude, you're the worst pick-and-roll defender in the NBA, and everyone knows it. So I don't know. I guess I like it. It's entertaining. But at the same time, it's like, dude – you're, you're talking that's it's the varsity team talking trash to the JV team after they scrimmage like yeah dude you're the you're the varsity team why why is this happening so I so Tom I'm sorry I, I thank you for jumping in but Greg's my team swag guy so I have to go to him first do we still like this do we not like this what well I think this was a lot more context driven I think there was a lot more to it than what you were saying so originally during that game, Devin Booker fouled Tim Hardaway Jr. while he was on a fast break, like from behind while he was going up for a layup. And Tim Hardaway Jr. went down hard and was down for a little bit. And I mean, it was a little scary. So, I mean, didn't look like Devin Booker meant to do like anything vicious, but at the same time, he did something that like you don't do. That That's like a, a rule. Like an unwritten rule, don't hit anyone in from behind while they're going up for a fast break layup. So the Knicks were mad after that. They were already mad at Devin Booker. Then Cantor swatted Devin Booker and kind of got in his face, and Devin Booker shoved him. And then double technicals ends up being Booker's second technical ejected. So Booker was being kind of a little uh, annoying. As, as a very lighthearted word to say instigated yeah he he, he was trying he's trying to start something um and he, and he started it and then they lost the game so they talked trash and the thing about people like hating on like dev like jared dudley saying canter you're bad that's jared dudley you're bad what, <laughs> i like what that are you talking about you you can't talk tra- like we're complaining about a bad team talking trash to another bad team, but that's just like a bad player talking trash to a, a pretty good player. I don't know. That, that, that was weirder to me than I guess he was protecting his teammate, but he, he did a bad job in my opinion. And Tom, also, you, oh. I got one thing left to say. Uh, apparently on NBA TV, the Suns were playing today and Jared Dudley was in and Clyde Drexler said, Jared Dudley looks like, like a dad at the YMCA. <laughs> it's pretty good. He he, he kind of always has it at this age. It, it's not helping him either. Tom, are you more old man get off my lawn or do you like this or what? I mean, yeah, this this isn't really my sort of thing. Like, I, I think Cantor's a little corny. I think he's probably, I, I bet his teammates like him, but I don't know that. You know, like he, he can be a little cheesy. He kind of tries a little too hard in my eyes. He he tries a little bit to be like Joel Embiid, but Embiid's just naturally funnier, in my opinion. Um, like better at insulting people in a funny, lighthearted way. I I could have done without this one, you know. Putting down a team that is one of the worst in the league, like act like you've been there before a little bit in my eyes. But I don't know. It's fun. It's Twitter. Like that's what part. Of, that's part of what makes the NBA fun. Is guys going at each other on social media. I just like it to be done a little, just a little better executed, I guess. I just picture Greg Popovich showing his team the tweets that and stuff before the game and being like, 
if you ever do this, you're not a San Antonio Spur. Hmm. Like, you need to know that. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, he started a fight. Yeah. So that's just what happens. And I think the funnier part was his next Instagram after the, the hold that L. It was just him sitting like on a bench reading a book and it said, have a good weekend. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a but good Instagram. There's, there's some, there's some fun to it. I, I guess it's just, I don't know. I, I'm starting to struggle with Embiid when they lose games and he still acts like that. I guess I'm turned into an old man. I don't know. I, it's, I'll, I'll say on the other end, it's the NBA got yelled at for years about guys not being too competitive and something like that. In a Knicks Suns game, hopefully the next time you play, that turns into better basketball. I guess that's that's a generic bad answer that I'm not even happy with. But the uh, the final kind of layup topic that I, I think need to mention because it was news this week: Chris Stapps Porzingis, the All Star, and Frankie Futures, which I'm going to throw into the nickname list. But uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know. Are we is is this optimism in Knicks country? We have a young All Star and we have a young Guy in the Futures game, I, I'll pass it off to Tombo first. I know you were looking into some uh, a couple of the nuances against with the world versus the U.S. team type thing going on. Um, I we we talked about it in pre-production a little bit about some, something that I think is something Knicks fans are scared to ask. But is Frank deserving? <laughs> Was kind of a question mark. Um, what, what do you think on that? Well, I think calling what we do before the pod pre-production is really generous. <laughs> um, but, I mean, first of all, it's cool that Chris Tapps is, a, is an all-star. He's, like, 22 years old. Uh, yeah, that that's definitely something for the Knicks to hang their hat on. Another thing, I don't know if you guys saw, but Kevin Durant was asked which player he was most excited to play with in the all-star game, and he said Porzingis, which I thought was an interesting answer. Um, I mean, especially since Durant's the one who coined the term unicorn, kind of coming full circle there. So it was a little neat. But, and uh, Durant's, Durant's about to be a free agent, too. Oh, boy. Here we go. And so is LeBron. Think about it. KP, LeBron, Durant, same team. I don't know. You heard it here first, folks. Um, but, yeah, Frank in the Rising Stars game – I don't know if they just needed someone to be on Team World. I, I really don't know how they went and selected these teams. But uh, you know what? I, I like his odds. T- team World versus Team USA. They're looking pretty stacked with Embiid, Ben Simmons. Um, I didn't know Buddy Heald was from the Bahamas, but there you go. Lori Markkinen's looked really good. And, you know, it, it, Frank, I think, is going to get a chance to, to show what he can do in this game. It's always fun because – I mean, first of all, Frank's very good at defense, and this isn't a game where they're going to play a lot of defense. But hopefully, he showcases some of his his skills on the offensive end and and loosens up and plays plays free. Yeah, it'll be nice for him to have a little fun. Uh, I think he, he's dunked it before. He said he's had a couple dunks this year, so we'll we'll see. Hopefully, see him try to uh, get up and have see how athletic he really is. Try to get some fast break dunks, and that'll be fun. I mean, the big thing is Porzingis being the All-Star is huge. Uh, I mean, Melo's been an All-Star for a long time. I mean, he was an All-Star when we got him. This is our very own All-Star, you know. We drafted him. We we saw what he had these first two years. We've seen him grow. And, and now maybe he's not ready to carry a team deep into the playoffs, but he's, he's shown that someday he may be. And being an All-Star at 22 on your rookie contract is, is a good sign. 
That's, yeah. That, Greg, on the I, I don't know if it's the swag front, but in a game like this, you know, the point total is winner winner's going to be closest to two bills, basically. And I don't know. It's it's going to be fun seeing Frank out there because, A, it's kind of like it's it's a you belong moment. You know, he's going to be out there with against Lonzo Ball, with Ben Simmons, with Joel Embiid. Um, hate not to be corny, but quite literally the rising stars of the NBA. And they're going to be out there, Donovan Mitchell. People are going to be trying to break the rim. And I, I think it's going to be good to see Frank in that environment and watch him swag out and not necessarily be worried about trying to lock down or make mistakes, this, that, and the other. Uh, so that's cool. And, yeah, the, you know, at KP was pretty close to being an all-star starter. He said <laughs> he had he had a couple quotes there that were – minor shots across the bow at Embiid that he thinks he should be the starter, which you like to see. It's good to know Stapps has that fire in him and having a, having a target to gun for isn't necessarily a good thing. What's feel like there's a good business phrase about that. Our competition brings greatness. I don't know. Those are <laughs> phrases. I want to use them in everyday life, but um, Tom KP Frank, I mean, yeah, that's some art of the deal stuff you're spitting over there. Uh, <laughs> pretty good. But, uh, you know, I, I missed it, though. What did he say to about Embiid? I, I didn't catch that part. I, it wasn't anything It wasn't anything gnarly. It was, it, I, I don't even think he named Embiid by name, but he said he very much felt he should be a starter. And I, I think he was implying at the forward position. Greg, do you know what I'm talking about? Am yeah, I yeah, so, so KP won er, – Embiid won the fan vote and the some other the media vote, but Porzingis won the right. player vote. So he said the players know I should be the starter. Was the quote, <laughs> which is fair because he won the player vote. I guess. <laughs> Factually <laughs> accurate. No controversy there, but no, that that's good. It's good for him to to at least acknowledge it. You know, um, it's exciting stuff, man. I, I'm looking forward to watching the game seeing how Kristaps performs in that environment. Um, and, yeah, it's something you look for in some of the foreign players is just kind of like how they relate to their teammates and everything. It's just it's like it's been a topic of conversation before and just in, in terms of the locker room. And it seems like Porzingis gets along really well with all of his teammates, right? And, uh, and I think that's kind of like somewhere in the All-Star game you can see where um, – how people's personalities sort of interact with others, you know, other big personalities. Yeah. I think one good thing about Frank that I didn't mention in this game is it'll be nice for him to play against a team that's not playing defense. <laughs> so he's, he's had a tendency to, to turn it over recently. He's had a tendency all year, but recently it's gotten like pretty, pretty painful to watch at times. Yeah. So. And he's a couple games against teams not playing defense after playing Phoenix. Zing! Where you at, Jared Dudley? Jeez, Jared Dudley, get at me. Jared Dudley's the second worst pick and roll defender in the league. (laughs) (laughs) Greg, you and Jared Dudley are tight, though, because of... Yeah, we both went to Boston College different times, though. My, my, uh... One of my roommates met him at a, at a tailgate one time. BC Go Eagles. He's, like, a really nice guy, is the thing. (laughs) He may. He'll probably end up being the Boston College basketball coach someday, if I had to guess. Ooh, hot takes continue. I don't think. I don't. I don't think that's a hot take. I think that's people think that. Talking BC Eagles. <laughs> well, that's the, Those are the topics I had. I, 
I should have teased this earlier because it's it's been the sexy talk, especially this time of year and when the Knicks season starts going down the tubes a little bit. But I thought we'd talk some trade talk. There's been a lot swirling lately. Uh, the Knicks, and I I wrote it in my manifesto, pats himself on the back. And, I, you know, something I'm really looking forward to is the Knicks have assets that can help teams. <laughs> There's no, no hot take, not even a good take there. But the Knicks should be active at this trade deadline. If the Knicks aren't active at this trade deadline, something has gone wrong. But obviously with Reddit, Twitter, everything that goes on, this, that, and the other. So I, I kind of wanted to get our takes on a couple trade ideas, whether it's something you heard or something you've thought of. Um, I'll, I'll bat lead off and I'm, I'm going to do a one and a half because we, we put Kenny on the case and then he dipped out on us cause he was sick and we, we just don't take sick days here. Um, I, I was kind of eyeing things around Beasley as I hyped him up earlier in the show, <laughs> what he does on offense when it's right, which it's been right about 80% of the time this year, he's a stud. He's an absolute stud. And so the first thing I, I kind of dreamed up, I'll, I'll just say this one quick. The 76ers, uh, just another wing score. And someone that these guys, <laughs> I feel like it's mean when I say this, but every everybody loves Michael Beasley around the league. He's always getting dapped up. Everyone on the Knicks loves Michael Beasley. So on this young team, I think it would be cool for them cool for them to interact with them. It'd almost be like a warning sign too. Like, <laughs> like watch how dirty this dude is. But if you kind of dick around your first couple years in the league, like you're not going to get the love. So I, I think, and the other thing is they have, they have kind of this plethora of late first round wings. They've built up um, Justin Anderson, uh, Firkin Cormaz and Luawu Karabit, the Frenchman who, I have to rule him out because I I watched the Sixers play tonight. I mentioned that. I didn't know which one of these guys they love the most. But Firkin Cormaz hasn't been playing at all. He's played in like six games. He's still 20. I, I don't know how high they are. I, I haven't seen the gentleman practice. Um, Anderson's interesting. He he played all four years at Virginia, or maybe he left as a junior. Had, had a weird hand injury. Defensive guy. Supposed to be 3 and D. You know, if if I'm Philly and the Knicks are like, hey, Beasley's out there, bring this guy in. He could win you a playoff game, you know, for someone like Anderson who might not be a part of their future. I could see that lining up as a trade, not just because they're lefties. But let me drop the nuke on you guys because here's the deal. Oklahoma City, someone we're already friendly with trade-wise. Hashtag Carmelo trade. They just had Andre Roberson go down. They're a team that was already short bodies they could trust. What if they could do Courtney Lee and Beasley? So Beasley, you're out of the Sixers trade. Sorry. For Terrence Ferguson, who was a mid to late first round pick, he's shown moments, but he's also shown a lot of bad moments. Alex Abrinas, who I feel like I'm going to let Greg give his thoughts on. Josh Hustis and Dakari uh, was it Takari Johnson? I'm blanking on Takari. Yeah, yeah, out of Kentucky. Um, the mostly cap guys. Houston has kind of been a, a wasted G League old pick for them, but for them to bring in Courtney Lee and Beasley, Courtney Lee's what they've been looking for for years—a three and D specialist who can just do his thing, 
and Lamp later on, paid in the shade with some fly gators on. That's a song. Um, bring Beasley in as that X factor and another body that they can play and trust. I don't know. If I'm Oklahoma City, so the risk here is Ferguson, what he turns out to be. And if you're Oklahoma City, I don't really care what Terrence Ferguson turns into three years from now because all of your eggs are currently in the basket. <laughs> Even if Terrence Ferguson turns into a star, you kind of – that 5% chance, you can't bank on that right now. That's just not where your team's at. And if to, for the Knicks to do this trade, they probably have to cut Jared Jack, hashtag Trey Burke show, and then they'd have to either cut or trade another body with – Kylo Quinn, whoever whoever it may be who's on the trade block right now. Um, so, guys, I, I just spent a winded minute talking about one-and-a-half trades. Uh, Tom, I'll go to you first. What what did you like? What did you dislike from what I said? Well, I think that uh, I'll start with the, the Thunder one. Um, I could definitely see them, the Thunder, wanting Courtney Lee. His contract for for the next two years after this one, I I wonder their owner is kind of like notoriously um, cheap, probably isn't the right word, but he does not want to ever go over the the uh, the tax line there. So I just wonder what the implications would be on that front, because I know they're not giving up much in the way of long term salary there. I guess Abrinas is a one year after this for about five and a half to six mil. Um, I don't know. I, I don't have as strong of a take on on Abrinas as and I know Greg has, has talked about him before, but uh, yeah, like that 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 seems like the, the Knicks getting back four players that would mean that they would need to cut two off of their current roster. Is that right, Greg? You're kind of the the yeah. salary cap man. Yeah, you gotta you gotta be, have roster space as of the time of the trade, so they wouldn't be able to cut the 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 Thunder players. So Jake, yeah, you mentioned Jared Jack. Did you say a second one that you just? It, it would. It would if if the Knicks believed in this deal, you a cut Jared Jack, so now it's one roster spot, and then you probably piggyback another trade off of it. And teams are talking about Kylo Quinn, or you know whether it's Lance Thomas or Dougie Fresh, someone like that. If if you believed in this trade, I think you make another trade happen, whether it's to just get a pick back or two for one or something of that nature. Yeah, I mean, you guys have talked up Ferguson's potential value a little bit. Um, I haven't really watched him play at all. I know Houston has kind of made himself a rotation player there in Oklahoma City. He's getting about 15 minutes per game. Um, he's not doing much in the way of production. He's scoring two points, averaging two rebounds. So I, I don't know what their allegiance is to him. But, you know, he's a, he's a 6'7", 230-pound wing. He's only He just turned 26. So he's kind of right in the same um, age range as, as their other guys in their prime, but you know he he probably isn't the answer for them. I I could see Oklahoma City wanting to do this, and I don't. I mean, could the Knicks get more out of Courtney Lee? That's the question. I don't know that they could. Wow. What do you think, Greg? Hey, it's a good question. Um, I mean, it all comes down to how you feel about Terrence Ferguson, I guess. And I mean, as we were talking, Beasley is is a good player too. So maybe we valuing them together, we should be getting more than Terrence Ferguson and some dead weight. The, I was talking about, I don't really love Abrinas. He could shoot it, defensive liability maybe. Um, young guy, 24. He could be friends with Willie, though. They're both Spanish. 
So that we were talking about the factor of friendship. So there's Huge. that. But, but like you were saying, the, uh, the Thunder are all, are all in right now. They, Paul George's contract is up this year. Mellows is up after next year. So you got a you got a, a one to two year window going right now before you got to make some serious decisions. And those decisions aren't entirely up to you. Those players have a say too. So you're 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 gonna wait to see if Terrence Ferguson can be good in I don't know two to three years, and then you wouldn't have those other guys. So like Jake was saying, the Thunder kind of have to go for it right now because. They don't have a long window, so I agree. The Thunder should be looking for something. I don't know that Courtney Lee and Michael Beasley is worth that little, though, because like we said, that there's there was some some dead weight in that deal, and we were really just getting back Terrence Ferguson, who has shown flashes, as Jake has mentioned, but he hasn't done much. Um, Quaestus uh, is is. I don't know. He's he's not much. His his NBA story is kind of a weird one. The Thunder took him in the first round, seemingly because he agreed that he he would not play for the Thunder in his first NBA season. He would he agreed to go to the D League, and then sign his rookie contract the following year. So he really wasn't a first round talent. He just got drafted in the first round due to some crazy scenario where the Thunder didn't want to take on a a rookie deal. So I don't really like that guy. Um, continuing on, I said I suggested Lance Thomas for Abrina straight up. I don't think that the Thunder have like very many assets. Like we said, Terrence Ferguson is their main chip. Everybody else on the team who is a rotation player, you wouldn't want to trade right now. So I, I don't know that that might be they might be looking more at 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 a deal like that. I don't know if they could get a player like Courtney Lee. I think we should be trying to get something better, hopefully. I don't know. And as Jake, I also mentioned that I think the Knicks might want a player like Courtney Lee for the next two years on his contract. And that mentioned that last week you weren't here. Yeah, well, let me take the knife out of my chest. Um, out, interesting Alex Sabrina's comparison. How about Marco Bellinelli? I could see him having a very similar career, kind of <laughs> soft off guards that can shoot it a little bit. I don't know. Just something to watch out for. But, okay, you guys shoot down my trade. I'm hanging on by a thread. Greg, tell us the trade that's going to happen. So, wait, wait. Sorry. Um, Please. On your Beasley trade, I did like that one. Uh, the, okay. the 76ers today, Embiid was plus eight in his time, in his 36 minutes. And in the 12 minutes he wasn't on the field, on the court, they were minus 18. So having a guy like Beasley could be very helpful to them. Well, so that that one was good. I'm okay. So one terrible one, one good one by you. <laughs> so I also mentioned this trade last week. Um, Iman Shumpert and a first, the Cavaliers' first-round pick this year for Courtney Lee. So that was the simple deal. Um, Shumpert's been a little injured, fallen a little out of favor. A lot of people think he's not great anymore. Um he he's been he's had a lot of potential for a long time. I would say uh, that potential hasn't turned into much. He was shooting well at the beginning of last year, slowly faded, ended up not doing great through the rest of the season. And this year he's he's not done much. So Cavaliers have the the Brooklyn pick, so they they're allowed to trade their own pick this year, which is I don't know, it'll be in like mid twenties. So it's it's not much, but it's something. 
and um, Shumpert's got a expiring deal. He's got a player option for next year, so we'll see if he picks that up or not. I don't know. What do you think about that, Tom? Or you Jake? Think, I don't care. Shumpert's going to pick up that $11 million, right? I don't – I mean, because even yeah. when he becomes a – uh, unrestricted free agent the next year he'll only be 28 so it's not like he'll be too old to get a a long long-term deal and i just think 11 mil is way more than his market value right now so yeah i, I have to imagine he'll pick that up but you know we'd, if, we'd yeah. be shedding an extra year on lee's contract too for sure and if the knicks can can pick up a first rounder uh, i i like that deal i mean because the Cavaliers' regular season record is not going to be that great. So, like, that first rounder, they may want to protect it heavily or something, but like, that could be a, a decent pick, you know? Um, hey, you're a little muffled, Tom, but but yeah. it could be a decent pick. I mean, low – what are they? They're probably going to be, I don't know, the three seed in the East. There's probably four teams better in the West. So we're looking at, like, 23-24, hopefully. But they yeah. can also they can also climb up and be higher than that. We've we've mentioned throughout the year as a mini debate point a first for Courtney Lee, um, where that stands. And yeah, it it it'd be an okay deal. I think Shumpert easily picks up that option because I <laughs> I like Tom saying he's he's young enough that he could still get a multi year deal, but I don't think he's good at basketball enough to get a multi year yeah. deal. So I I think that's an interesting one. You you know Cleveland's going to be asking, and you know you know in the back of their heads they're doing everything they can to not give up the Brooklyn pick but still keep LeBron happy and make it look like they're doing everything they can to contend. So, yeah, I I don't hate it, Greg. No, it sounds good. It sounded like that the Cavaliers um, are interested or close to getting George Hill, which is probably not the answer to anyone's question at this point. But – uh yeah, like if they do in fact get George Hill from the Kings, then they their need for Courtney Lee may diminish. Um, so that's just something to look for. Yeah, and that that'd be the rumored deal. Wit there is is Channing Fry and Shumpert and Derek Rose or some 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 assortment of of things like that, and no first round pick for George Hill because George Hill is making I think twenty million this year, nineteen million next year. So they're really just trying to eat salary for the Kings, doing each other favors. Yeah, and we know that the Cavs are kind of hedging their bets between LeBron leaving next year and, and potentially staying. So I don't know how reticent they are um, to give up that first-round pick. But if if they will, then, yeah, I think that's a move that the, that the Knicks should make. Yeah. For, for legal purposes, you guys know I can't talk about George Hill. Um, although he'd, he'd probably be a great fit on Cleveland, uh, the way he can shoot and defend a little bit, he's kind of exactly what they need right now. So take that Tom, next time we talk George Hill and speaking of Tom, what, what trade do you have for, for the Knickerbockers? So Jake, kind of in the mold of what you did going off of, um, Andre Roberson's injury. Uh, I was looking at DeMarcus cousins who just went down for the new Orleans Pelicans. He's a huge part of what they do there. They are hanging by a thread to the uh, in the playoff picture there, and yeah, without without Cousins for the for the second half of the season, it's going to be a real struggle. They they desperately need a backup center at this point. Like Omar Ashik, they signed him a few years ago in one of the worst deals 
it, it's <laughs> been perennially the worst deal in the NBA, I think. Um, and so, yeah, they frankly just don't have anyone to play backup center. And that's when you factor in playing Anthony Davis at center to start, which is a position he doesn't really historically like to play. He likes to play power forward um, and let Cousins do some of the more of the banging. So uh, my deal was Kyle O'Quinn, who's one of the better backup centers in the league, for Alexis Aginsa and a first-round pick. Aginsa is a um, a center on the Pelicans who has two more years and is about $10 million of, of basically just dead salary. He's hurt for the rest of this year. And even when he's healthy, he's not much of a factor. So um, basically it's Kylo Quinn for $10 million of dead salary and a first-round pick from New Orleans, which, I mean, New Orleans has to make the playoffs. Alvin Gentry is coaching for his job. Anthony Davis, they're just praying he doesn't force a trade out of there. He's their entire franchise. They need to see a little bit of success. And so it's really playoffs or bust for them at this point. And I think Kylo Quinn is a stepping stone to getting there for them. They just, they need someone to play backup center. Yeah, I think it's a good deal. Um, the one thing I would say is they, they've also got a little eye on the future. They're looking to sign DeMarcus Cousins long-term. So in order to have a, a better team long-term, you got Kylo Quinn who's got this player option that he may opt out of. So you may want that first round pick to, to be able to secure the future. But right now, Playoffs are bust. You're right. But maybe they would want someone on a longer deal. But, again, I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking about the future because they're they're another one of those teams who's caught between the future and the present. They're straddling, trying to figure out what to do, especially after this injury. Yeah, my thought there was just that basically Kylo Quinn and Ajinsa have almost the exact same contract. Um, So you're basically just – swapping yeah. those players like and one's a major upgrade on the other so you're gonna be paying that money regardless it's just in this scenario you're doing it for a better player kylo quinn's gonna <laughs> be the most interesting player for the Knicks trade deadline i think just because he's a big man that can do a little bit of everything he can be a small ball five if you want he still plays solid defense he can pass the ball he can shoot a little bit i uh it's one one of my favorite quotes from Park and Rec is, "Oh, we got an old fashioned waffle iron, waffle iron bidding war on our hands." I, a little Kylo Quinn bidding war could be a good thing. I know he seems to fit with a couple teams that are out there. Denver could use him, um, New Orleans a little bit. I, not a lot of money, very solid player. He's going to be interesting to see. Um, and I I think. I was going to say remiss again would be the second time I've said remiss, so I'm not going to say it. But I, I think it was funny because when we originally talked about this, you know, there's four names that kind of jump out. We ripped on Kenny earlier for saying that we should try to trade Jared Jack. I had had to sneak that in because we got we got a chuckle at that. If Hey, if we get a second-round pick for Jared Jack, I'll, I'll give Kenny one of the firmest handshakes I have. But for the Knicks trade-wise right now, it seems to be O'Quinn he should be moved. Um, Beasley in the right fit. It just depends if a team can buy in on the Michael Beasley idea. Courtney Lee seems to fit any winner in what they're doing. His contract's just a little – you roll your eyes at the end. Um, and then I guess Doug and Lance, if you need to finish a trade type of thing. 
the name that we really struggled with as a crew was Enos Cantor, who seemingly should be a guy on the trade block. He's making 17 mil. He makes more than he probably deserves for his defensive liabilities. The tr- we kind of all looked, and the trade market is not looking so hot for him. It would have to be kind of an ugly trade with Portland. They've got some dead weight. Do they want a body? Um, New Orleans, if they really want to go in, hell, Kylo Quinn, give me, give me Enos Canner and his tweets, you know. Um, <laughs> or the the only other team that really jumped out to me was uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. They they get abused on the boards pretty bad, which is kind of surprising. Um, and I don't know. That's the thing where Enos is at this point. He's he's a known commodity, and there's bad parts to it, but there's also good parts to it. So it's a team. I I don't know. When you mentioned Anthony Davis, I pictured okay. Anthony Davis is a freak on defense. Do they think Anthony Davis can clean up enough of Enos's, um, you know, lapses on defense to make it work? Do do either? I guess. This long-winded statement is me asking you guys, do you think there's any way Enos Cantor is traded this year? I would say no during the season. It's it's really tough with a contract as big as his, and, and uh, especially since he's getting overpaid too. So uh, you, you'd need – it's a lot easier in the offseason to trade a big contract for a player like that is what I would say. Yeah, I mean – Cantor stands to stands to make eighteen point six million next year. He'll almost certainly opt in. Um, I shouldn't even say almost. He'll certainly opt in next year. And uh, yeah, that, it's a tough ask. It's it's tough for a team to send back matching salary unless they really want to get off something. But they're not like just the assets you'll get back in return for Cantor don't equal what he can do on the court. I think his reputation isn't great among coaches. Um, and that is probably it's probably partly unfair, but uh, the fact of the matter is, he is such a defensive liability. Milwaukee has struggled on defense this year. Um, the Bucks are the twenty second ranked defense. The Pelicans are the twenty third ranked defense. I don't think that bringing in Cantor is going to be solving any of their issues, and they probably see it that way too. Is my guess. Yeah, it's it's it, there's too many things in motion that it almost seems easiest and best for the team to just kind of let him expire next year unless you unless you stumble into something. But I I don't know. That's that's Agreed. tough because I, I feel like he's on the tip of everyone's tongues when you talk trade. But I I just don't see it right now. Um, what what else you guys got? Any any final thoughts, whether it's trade, Frank, um what else did we talk this episode? Talking Grammys? What What else? Greggy? I, I think I, I had a fun little trade that, that I, I just wanted to bring up. We don't have to sure. talk about it. It won't happen. This this is more of the along the, the friendship line we've been talking. The uh, Courtney Lee and Doug McDermott for, for Kenneth Fareed and Juancho Hernan Gomez. Just get another Hernan Gomez. Who cares? It's, keep, it's, it in, it's, keep it in keep the family. It, keep it in the family and keep it international. Before the season, we dreamed of the all-international Knicks, which I'm still all in on, by the way. Let's do it. Well, one thing we also haven't talked about, I don't know if you were going to get to it. You probably were. We'll let Tom go. (laughs) Tom? Greg, Greg, I like that trade, actually. Um, 
I mean, Farid would be brought into a pretty crowded front court. Um, do you know how much time he has left on his deal? He's got next year. Just next year? I think I so. Mean, yeah, that's not so bad. And I, I like Wancho. I mean, he's he's more of a wing-type player than his brother is, who's, who's more of a traditional big. Um, he's like a small ball four type. I, I like... I'd like that move a lot for the Knicks. Yeah, and both of those guys have kind of fallen a little bit out of favor in uh in Denver. So being able to get a guy like Courtney Lee for and Doug McDermott at that for two guys who you you don't really love putting in the basketball game. Uh, Fareed's averaging fourteen point nine minutes this year. So yeah, that's, he's a better that's, player than that. That's not how you picture Fareed. That's Let's the same as Josh Hustis. Luckily, <laughs> look, luckily, we displayed Doug McDermott so well in the game at Denver. Uh, Ron Baker started. Doug McDermott one minute played. Um, that I, I can't go there right now physically. Tom, some closing notes, closing thoughts. Well, I mean, we we talk about it almost every pod. the The Knicks are the are tenth in the East. They're four games out of the eight seed. The the Seventy Sixers are are at the eight seed at twenty four and twenty two. Um, it just seems like every week playoffs get further and further from view. And I'm just curious, like, are we just all in now? I think in past weeks we've been kind of towing the line. Are we ready just to just say like, let's rebuild like playoffs are probably not going to happen. Never in my book. Uh, like I've said, we got Tim Hardaway jr. And Porzingis. So there's not going to be a full commitment to to rebuilding at any point this season or, or to tanking. Maybe they'll commit to putting Frank in the starting lineup, but we're going to be trying to win all season long because we, we get our two-star players. So I don't know. I, I don't think it's coming. And we got the we got the upcoming games against the Nets and the Hawks this week. So that may at home. So that might be two W's if we're doing predictions. Yeah, I mean, talk talk about your segues. We, I, I, I'll, I'll partially agree with Greg, Tommy. I mean, I, I think the date that I'm gonna circle and put in red, uh, kind of the All Star break. All Star break, you catch your breath, you see where you are. If it's five plus games out, something like that, it, you know. You kind of see where you are. If if Chris Stapps has some injuries, Tim Hardaway, things are acting up. Yeah, you 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 really start pushing that way. Um, and we'll we'll see what they end up doing at the deadline. I mean, the the deadline could be a very much wow moment for Knicks fans if say O'Quinn, Courtney Lee, and I I don't know another rotation player, whether it's Lance, Doug, the team could look very different. So that. That could change the opinion, but between now and the All-Star break, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine games. You know, and I, I've been waiting for it for too long now since the Knicks had their 17 and 11 stretch. But, you know, the Knicks pull a seven and nine. I, I think we're screaming from the rafters. We shouldn't have traded Courtney Lee, and we're, you know, we're going to beat Boston in the first round of the playoffs. So, um Tom, do, do you have a hard sell before we talk about next week a little more? Uh, I'm ready for next week, man. Let's do it. Okay. So hey, we've hey, got, Jake, yeah. the All-Star break is the – what's the date of that? Do you know? Uh, um, it is the weekend of 
I thought it was the weekend of like the 17th. Does that All sound right? right? Yeah, it sounds right to me. But the trade deadline is the 8th. So right. We're right. making our decision before. So, which, yeah. Right, I see where you're at. Which is, which is coming up really quickly. Um, it's going to be interesting because yeah. this is the first year they moved up the trade deadline now. That's yeah. right. So that that will be I'll, – I'll circle that date too. Why not? February 8th at Toronto. But yeah. for, for this week, we're, we're home versus Brooklyn. And, boy, do we look great when we play those Brooklyn Nets. Back-to-back, <laughs> uh, -back, uh, we're going to Boston, ESPN game. Uh, Friday, we're going to Milwaukee. And then Sunday, we host Atlanta at home. So, and Greg, I'm going to start with you to get the troops rowdy because we've got home games against Atlanta and Brooklyn. And need, need those games. Need, need to win those games. games. So, and tell, tell, tell the people we're going to win the other two. Why not? Need those games. ESPN game against the Celtics. We beat the Jazz on ESPN last time we were on ESPN. So, we'll, we'll put that one in the wind column. Wow. Uh, Bucks just fired their coach recently. They've been looking pretty decent since then, though. So, I mean, we'll just put that in the wind column, too, anyway. So, <laughs> four no week. No, I, I got it at two and two. Win the obvious ones, lose the lose the other ones. Twos, Tombo Dadden? I'd be a lot more confident in the Knicks beating the Celtics if Marcus Smart were playing. Huh. Uh, ooh. <laughs> yes. Couple zingers today. Yeah. I mean, I. We should just keep this one simple. Knicks are going to win the home, likely lose the away. I'm going to go two and two as well. Um, you know, it's it's definitely possible to beat the Celtics to beat the Bucks on the road, but um, like Greg said, that they've Bucks have looked really good since Kid uh, was fired, and he really was creating some issues for them over there. So, yeah, uh, two and two. I'm with Greg. That has to be the worst feeling as a head coach. You get fired and the team takes off. Um, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll feed the monster at this point. The Celtics are, let's see. One in five. One, one in five in their last six. Yeah. Um, and they're currently on a road trip, so they're going to be wrapping that up. Give, give me the Celtics. Yeah. I've, and this this is where Tom, you you mentioned it before the show. Someone was calling out John Boy for shoddy reporting. I'm not reporting. I'm still a fan at heart. And if if we're playing the Celtics, I'm going to say that's a win, unless it's the last game of the year and we need the loss to get a better pick, basically. So give me a three and one next week. We're all hyped up at the end of next week. We're keeping Courtney Lee. We're winning the title. I really hope not, actually. So um, you don't want us to win the title. Oh, no. I'll take the title. We get the Brooklyn pick from the Cavs, win the lottery, you know, normal Knicks stuff. <laughs> but, yeah, I I don't know. I I keep looking, and Tom, I, to spin it to you, making a great point, you know, how many, how many more one in two weeks do we have to go through until me and Greg take off our optimistic hat and say, <laughs> come on, like bury the season, console, console the season? They're only two behind – the 76ers in the wind column. They're four games back, but they're two behind in the wind column. So if we won two games, we would have the same amount of wins as the team in eighth place. So, and they, hey, they just lost to Oklahoma City tonight. Um, and the Pistons are just falling off the face of the earth. So I don't know. Give There's there's still some sense of hope. Um, yeah, it's something, <laughs> it's, it's something we ask every week. So I just figured so, I'd bring so, it up. 
Some sense of hope, says the dejected man. Um, unless you guys got any final thoughts, I think it's time to wrap her up a little bit. Hey, that was a good one. I, I think I think we got it all. That's it. Good there, oh, wait, wait, wait. Kenny probably would have said, I don't know. He, I want to say he would say one and three, but I can't picture him saying we would lose to the Nets or the Hawks. I think even a pessimist like him would would give us those games at home. So, right. so and he's on the record as two and two. Kenny says own four. Um, thanks for listening, guys. I think good episode of talking Knicks. A little format change. Maybe we'll keep changing. Maybe we won't. I don't know, but. We appreciate you listening. If you're not following on Twitter at Talking Knicks, usually live tweeting the games, doing a lot of fun stuff. We've been pumping out articles. I got my manifest out there. I think I'm going to do a trade article. Tom already, always has like really well-written articles if you're into that kind of thing. Um, Greg, as I mentioned, is the real MVP end of the day. Um, we do the post-game recaps. We do it all. Um, if you like this and you don't listen to Talking Yanks, do that too. Um, I don't know, guys. We're we're trying to pump out the stuff, and I, I guess end of the day, go Knicks. Thank, thanks for listening. And uh, send some feedbacks. Give us your trades, things like that, all right? So we appreciate it. <laughs>